Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Ben. You're listening to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. Dueling Genre. Welcome to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we are covering the movie Mallrats, one minute at a time. Today we are covering Minute 7, which is quite possibly the greatest rooftop minute ever. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Tim Root of the 20 Years of Nitro podcast. And Chris Derkoch is not with us today. As usual, he's had some legal problems. All right, so moving on to this minute. Uh, we start with Brandy about to drop a bomb, and we end with T.S. going way too far. Yeah, if you've seen the original version of Mallrats, you're going to have a weird deja vu with this minute, because a lot of the same lines are in here. Yeah, and this was my first time seeing anything from the extended cut, so a lot of this was sort of familiar, but also... Just comp- like I, I was trying to fathom why he was wearing a Revolutionary War garb. That was uh, that was not a part of this movie that I could remember. And and I watched this uh, before you told me this was from. I didn't even know an extended cut had, uh, existed. So I was really ba- I was just trying to figure out is my memory really shot that much since nineteen? This was ninety seven. I want to say right ninety five. Ni- oh okay. Well yeah. yeah, my memory is shot that much since ninety five. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's um. It's weird with this minute and like a couple minutes following this where they pull a lot of the same lines from these minutes when they did some reshoots. So like the occasional line is still there. So like your mind's like, well, wait, I remember that line, but I don't remember them being on a roof. (laughs) What I'd really like to see is if I went to the the theatrical version is uh, is Claire Forlani's accent any better because in this version it is atrocious. It's so bad. Oh, we are on the same wavelength because this is not even the worst version of it. There's about sometime last week. It's I mean, it is it sounds so obvious that she's struggling to keep that London accent together. You can just yeah, see it, her trying so hard not to say anything with that accent. It ends up having this weird, almost Californian um, pronunciation, like the sort of drawling out of the vowels, almost like the Californian skit on Saturday Night Live. Oh, like, we're going to go up on the 405. (laughs) Like that. So something said in New Jersey, it like, it just does not work at all. Yeah, it's a very odd accent. And I felt the same way. Like, I remember watching Mallrats and I'm like, and I knew she was British and you can tell it a little bit, but not like this. It's, this sounds like this was shot. And then six months later, they shot the rest of it. And by then she'd gotten the accent down a little better. Yeah. Maybe she had some uh, dialect coaching. I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I've seen her in other movies and, Especially movies around this time frame, she sounds kind of the same as she did in the original cut of Mallrats, where you can always kind of, like, some British people can never lose it. Like, you can always sure. tell they're struggling to keep it under, like, I think Liam Neeson's like that, where, like, um, I think, yeah, I can I can obviously tell you're trying to struggle to keep that Irish accent under control. Yeah, you can see where, you know, it's it's fine most of the time, and then when they have to emote strong things like anger, then it just goes out the road. Uh, I Even someone like Gary Oldman, I think when he yells, you can really, it... it cuts through whatever American accent he's trying to do at the moment. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I thought one of the best ones that I'd heard was uh, Hugh Laurie, the guy that was on. He did House for all those years. Oh, absolutely. He's great. And I think I watched like three seasons of that before, and then I watched him on a, a British show, and I'm like, what? whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> does, he have a, <laughs> does he have a great British accent or a great American accent? And I had to look him up. He's got that same thing, too, where he's, when he switches to American, somehow it becomes gravelly, even though his regular voice doesn't sound that gravelly. <laughs> I know. Benedict Cumberbatch like, kind of does the same thing. He goes gravelly when he goes American. And I guess that maybe that's how that helps them keep in, like, an American thing. That could be. I also feel no. like a lot of... When British people get lost, I feel like they try to go... Um, 
that real stereotypical Midwestern, or if they're really in a bad place, they try to go Southern, which is always a good time. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think anyone who's not Southern doing a Southern accent is pretty funny, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, I'm I'm from Minnesota where Mallrats was filmed, and so if she was trying to use the locals uh, out in Eden Prairie where this was filmed, a suburb of Minneapolis, uh, yeah, I could see where that probably would lead her astray from what the rest of the country normally sounds like. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> not, not a lot of people around here in Jersey going, oh, you know, I mean, I understand. I, I knew a lot of people from Minnesota. It's not it's not Fargo. It's not that ridiculous. I have the same problems. With everybody that watches like Sopranos, I'm like, we're not. Oh, sure. We don't talk like that. <laughs> I like I mean, that you're from where this movie is set, and I'm from where this movie was actually filmed. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it works. And then <laughs> I like when they do. Now it doesn't happen in this movie really, but I love in movies where like it's shot someplace totally different, and they use local actors. This happens a lot with the stuff they shoot now because they shoot so much in Vancouver. Yeah. Oh. And right, it's something sure. supposed to be like in the south, or it's supposed to be on the east coast, and it's like these people are all painfully Canadian that are well, in this actually, thing. <laughs> I actually have a funny story sort of related to that. Uh, this came out, I want to say, it was in 6th or 7th grade. And uh, I had a science teacher, Miss Gaddy, who was, like, just nuts. She was a real weirdo. Uh, and she knew I wanted to be an actor. That was something that I really aspired to at the time. And so she had me meet with her cousin, who did a lot of uh, local theater acting. And I met with him. And to impress me, the first thing he told me about was that he had just filmed a part in a movie. And that movie turned out to be Mallrats. So uh, I actually know a local actor who appeared, he has, uh, I think, two lines. He gets uh, beat up in a parking lot later when he uh, he asked T.S. about getting dumped earlier in the day. Oh, I do remember that. The guy that gets punched out in the parking lot. Yeah, that, that was my middle school science teacher's cousin. And he came to my house <laughs> one day to tell me all about how to be an actor. And I remember thinking, even as like a seventh grader, like all you got was two lines in this like small <laughs> comedy I'm not sure, like, really, you're at the height of success where you should be coaching young people on how to make it in this business. It's like, let me tell you about how I made it. Let me show you my my entire film reel here. Right, it's like, yeah. There's me getting over. punched by Jason Lee. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even that. Even that. He doesn't even get that. He gets punched by Jeremy London. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> that's not even... Yeah, because he comes up and he's one of the people that, in this version, he says what his real line is, but he's dubbed in the... um. The cut in the uh, theatrical cut. Oh, really? Because all this stuff at the beginning gets taken out, all gets referenced throughout the movie, and they had to cut all around it. Oh, sure. To remove all this, you know, because they keep talking about the governor's ball and all that stuff. This is the governor's ball that they're at. I see. Okay, that adds up. So you didn't see the previous two weeks, but the previous two weeks was all with Michael Rooker hanging out with the governor. Okay. And then this is them up on the roof. She, for some reason, is up on the roof of the building right across the street or as part of the... uh, the area that they're at. I don't know why she needed to be up there looking at the stars. But right now I'm going to address... Thought that Jeremy, I've always thought that Jeremy London was just a terrible actor in this movie who could not approximate human behavior, but maybe he was just thrown off by all the reshoots and script changes. Uh, also, a rumor has gone around that he possibly was very high during this. That would make sense. You know, he's, got, <laughs> he's got access to Jason Mewes. He's yeah. stuck in the suburbs of Minneapolis with not much to do at night, I'm sure. Yeah, we uh we have made some comments on him. Although I, I think it was last minute I said that he was actually pretty good. And in this minute he's not terrible. It's just this is some weird dialogue that's coming up because these are I'm supposed to care about these people. I'm just like I guess kind of sympathize with her and this minute does not make me sympathize with her. It makes her seem like a terrible person. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If I were uh I met my wife in college and if at some point in college she was like I'm going on this show 
where I'm going to choose from amongst three men to go on a date with one of them, but just don't worry about it. I would be furious. That would that would not be cool. I'm not a, a super jealous person, but that just seems pretty plainly obvious, a, a bad idea. And she also, just the way that this whole thing unravels where he's like, uh, I think in the last week he was talking about, okay, we're getting ready to go to Florida. And then she goes, oh, I can't go. What? Like, why am I this? Yeah. Why am I getting this information now? And then well, you, then she, she follows even, it up with the dating thing. She couldn't have told him even before she made that choice and told her dad. She couldn't tell him, I'm thinking about doing this. Or my dad asked, what is your input as my partner and person I'm planning a vacation with? Or as soon as, because he came up there, he surprised her up there. But as soon as, like, you realize that he's there or whatever, you say, hey, listen, I talked to my dad. I can't go. He needs me to help on his show. I mean, I don't know why you need to be a contestant on the show. I have in my notes of, like, I guess there's just no other attractive women in this place that you couldn't get to sign off on this. Because you know how hard it is to get somebody to be on TV. Oh, sure. Yeah, they hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm going with TS's theory that... Uh that the Rook put it together because he wanted someone else to charm his daughter. He was hoping that real love would come out of his dating game ripoff that's uh, oddly filmed live in a mall, which just, there's no TV show like that. There's, there's so, <laughs> I've never seen a, a dating show just filmed in a rotunda at your local mall. That's insane. Oh, yeah, nothing about this adds up. This is all complete movie logic going on. <laughs> of 100%. Like, oh yeah, we filmed this at the mall. And it's a, like maybe maybe you would film some sort of like cheap ass game show there, but it would never be televised. It would yeah. just be some goofy thing that the mall did. Like, oh, we're doing a dating game. It'd be part of some promotion for a store or something. Especially because it seems like this must be the pilot of the show. I, I get the impression. I'm not sure, but just the well, way he, that some of the dialogue points, I've always gotten the impression that this was like they were just testing it out or something. In this version, a couple minutes before is it before this or after this. Um, Rooker's talking to the governor, and he's talking about how he puts programs on the public access show. And she's like, oh, like the lottery numbers. And he's like, oh, we do stuff besides the lottery numbers. I have this game show coming out, which is so painfully the dating game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, wait, wait. So this is on public access? Well, that's what he says. She says it's the public access channel. That's insane. The production values and renting out a mall for a public access television show with no ad revenue is... <laughs> That just makes this e make even less sense. Well, that's what I assume those two guys that show up are like from a real network that are maybe willing to pull it okay. off of and put it on a real thing. Because, I mean, you never really explicitly told that. You just know that they're money guys of some sort. Right, right, right. Okay. I, I Wow, there's there's a lot of logical pro And it's kind of funny that this is the follow-up to Clerks, which is such a grounded, true-to-life, you know, everything in that movie basically could happen. I think I talked about this with Chris. Of, I think where a lot of problems in Ball Rats are, and I think this is one movie where the editing does a lot of favors to this. A lot of this fat gets cut out. Like, all the stuff we're watching now gets cut down to, like, a lot less. But a lot of problem, I think, was they were like, hey, you're a real director now. Here's a budget. Here's $3 million. What do you want to do? And he's like, well, I want to put it in a mall, which is not a crazy idea. You did a convenience store. Now you do your mall. Oh, no, it's then a perfect I, idea. But then he gets, like, all this stuff at the beginning with the governor's ball and all that, and he says on the commentary, he's like, at some point, one of the producers sits him down and goes, Kevin, the movie's called Mall Rats, and it takes 30 minutes to get to the mall. <laughs> yes. Like, that's not okay. So they end up cutting all the stuff at the beginning. Like, 12, it's like 12 minutes straight, and then it's like another two minutes during the Jason Lee part that gets cut down when he's with uh, Shannon Doherty. That gets cut down, too. The that, they cut a bunch of that. Already, it it kind of doesn't make sense, because these are, I mean, these are people in their 
you know, mid twenties, they're college students. I don't buy that they're hanging out at the mall that regularly. Yeah, it's more. I mean, not that anybody. Maybe kids still hang out at the mall anymore. I don't know. I'm too old to notice. But that was usually a place you hung out when you didn't have access to like vehicles or the ability to drink. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The, the mall was a place I rode my bike to because there was a arcade there. You know, and or the same goodie. If for, people lived far away, their parents there. dropped them off there and said, "We'll pick you up yes, in five hours." <laughs> that was not a place yeah, you was... went. If you're 20 and you're there, you should be working there. I mean, I hate to side with Ben Affleck's character in this, but like, yeah, you shouldn't be. Uh, he should be at the mall with no shopping agenda. Absolutely, absolutely. If I if a man the age of Jason Lee in this movie was just hanging out at the mall, I would assume that there's some sort of Amber Alert situation that we need to make everyone aware of. I mean, unless there's a girl who works in one of the stores who you're desperately trying to hit on, or you've stopped in at the mall to hit the food court, or something like you like the way I understand as a man, when I go to the the mall, I don't ever go to the mall to just wander the mall. You're going there with an agenda of like I'm going to this store. Oh, sure. And maybe yeah, I'll really... I'll stop by not anymore, but like in the old days you'd like, okay, I go to this store and maybe I'll stop by like two stores as I'm exiting. Yeah, you like, stop by Sabaro and just punish your body for for existing, I guess. Oh yeah, or you walk into a a hot topic and you're like, wow, there's a lot of poor life choices being made in this place. <laughs> <laughs> you go over to a bookstore, oh wait, those don't exist anymore, but <laughs> I mean, that would have been something I did back then. Oh, sure, yeah. I had a lot of uh, sassy Hot Topic t-shirts, for sure. Oh, my God, Just like a black t-shirt that said, like, whatever. And, oh, man, I was really sticking it to the man back then. But I still walk into, like, there or, like, a Spencer's now, and I'm like, I can still spend money in this place. Like, I have not changed enough. I mean, there's, like, 80% of the store doesn't appeal to me at all anymore. It's just I'm too old or it's just I'm too far away from that culture. But there's still plenty in there of, like, I could buy a lot of these stupid t-shirts. Yeah, it's usually there's usually something I can get for like the wife's Christmas stocking. Like, oh, these socks look like Cookie Monster. She'll like that. You know those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, for this minute, <laughs> I just have that Brandy's kind of a bad person here. She not only says she's going to go on the dating show, she then says, "Oh, it's just TV." Yeah, but you are really going to go on a date with this guy. Like yeah, that's not that's... fake. <laughs> yeah, I was the way she said it. It's almost like that. There's no intention on going on the date, but then later in the movie, I feel like it. It seemed very like the stakes are set as such that she's definitely going to actually go on a date oh yeah it's completely ridiculous and again if you were going to do this you need to lead with this this can't just get brought up this is like if you come home and you're talking with your wife or significant other for like 15 or 20 minutes and then you're walking in there you sit down you turn on the tv 10 minutes goes by and she goes oh by the way um i hit something with the car today and smashed in the entire fender like whoa what no 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 you got to lead with that you can't yeah you can't wait on that yeah and you got to you got to bring me out to the deep end gently you can't the way she does it is just it's like this every couple steps you take you're shooting down into a you know 2 feet more deep of water you you got to give me some little floaties around my arms something to bring me out into these conversational deep waters now i will say this i am with i am on ts's side for 90% of this minute until the end, she said, let me get his exact line that he says where this is where you lose an argument with somebody. He says, for a science major, you can be pretty fucking stupid. Oh, yeah, you're right. I had, yeah. And let's see, like, he was doing good. He was winning the argument, and poof, you just lost. You just lost all your ground right there. Hey, because you just look like a dick for going out of your way to find, like, a clever way to call her stupid. Just Yeah. You don't need to bring up her major. Just say you're being stupid. Yeah. Right? 
And he's not – he was explaining his points at first, but it, once it gets to the point of the argument where you just call the other person stupid, well, that either means you don't have any more points or, like, you don't know how to express your points. Like, you're losing the argument. I mean, you're basically yeah. going, nuh-uh, like, come on. And I'm curious what, on your take because, you know, I think the reputation of uh, of New Jersey versus the reputation of us, like, stuff shirt Midwesterners with our repressed feelings, but – I don't think I swore at my wife in like in a serious argument like I actually swore out of anger until we'd probably been together for 10 12 years like the thought of of dropping an f bomb in serious anger is like unfathomable to me. So yeah, at that point I'm surprised that their relationship isn't just over and then then, then the credits roll. Like there's no recovering from that, Mike. <laughs> well, not to lead into our stereotype, but this is not out of the ordinary at all. <laughs> it's 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 really not it's um the language thing is just not those are just adjectives i mean it's still the the more the more haunting thing that he says here is stupid like yeah, that's what no, would get me in trouble not cursing uh, i could f-bomb her up down and sideways and she'd never say anything but yeah. once you dropped stupid on her that's when the trouble would be coming my way like yeah, there's some things you just I mean, don't say is- to somebody yeah, one is sort of unmannered, but the other is just mean. It's just he's mean spirited for for I, I get why he's angry, but there's just no need to go there. She hasn't done anything to personally insult him. She's just been um, inconsiderate, like massively inconsiderate, but still just inconsiderate. Yeah, he, like she's she's wrong at first. But then again, it doesn't matter if she's wrong. If you're going to act like an asshole, it's just OK. Well, now you're wrong, too. And then what's I mean in the next two minutes that we we won't see is going to happen is what happens when you start doing this in a fight the fight devolves from actually getting anything accomplished and just becomes a fight where you're fighting just a fight right and that's where that's where the wheels will come off things if you don't know how to I mean the whole point of a marriage is to learn how to handle your fights well is one or both of you needs to learn how to pull the ejection handle of the fight and get away from it which is not easy when you live together yeah and I think um, you know Kevin Smith sort of has a tendency to have protagonists who at times can be uh to use you know the 2018 buzzword for it you know they can be problematic with the way they approach like resolving their issues with the women in their lives oh for sure i mean he this is definitely written by and he makes no bones about it that these movies are reflections of where he is in his life at that time where he probably had a lot of these feelings and he probably i mean as much as I've talked about him having this argument, I've had this argument. I've been him in this argument where you're right, but then you're so mad, you say something stupid. And you're oh, like, sure. whoops. Yeah, and no, I mean, I, sometimes you realize it. And sometimes you're just so mad. It's like, oh, well, I'm just letting it all hang out now. And then you end up the one apologizing. <laughs> yeah. You started off with the moral high ground, but at the end, you're the one begging for forgiveness. Yes, it, it's difficult to win an argument. It's way harder to win the argument if you get mad. Like, at first, he seemed like he was okay, and then... Like one, yeah. Once he breaks down and calls her stupid, like it's 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 over. Then is this essentially the end of the scene? Is there is the next minute? Just oh no, they go on. They, oh they keep God, fighting. Really? Yeah, they fight. Uh, I believe they fight for the whole next minute, and then um, there's a, a this scene interacts with another scene. It's it's difficult to explain without just watching. What I would say to you to do is, I mean, it's tough to find this cut altogether. But if you just go on YouTube, they have all this this whole scene together. It's like just the straight 12 minutes of what the original scene is. Because, like, there's, like, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. There's an assassination attempt that comes up right after this. <laughs> on the governor? Yes. Okay. It's not a real one, I but... Guess, well, I was I mean, going to guess Rooker, and then I realized that made no sense. Well, just think he's dressed like a Revolutionary War soldier. 
he has a gun. Ah, uh, he was holding that rifle, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a wacky circumstance, but it does happen. Oh, this is, now, that's kind of jogging my memory now. I wonder if I, because I was a big Kevin Smith fan, sort of around the the time of Dogma came out, So, and I was listening to his, you know, his sort of university lectures and reading his blog and all that stuff. So I wonder, I, I bet I read about this uh script this version of the script at one point and kind of tucked it away which is this conversation. what is hilarious is they cut between 10 to 15 minutes and if you remember the original opening of mall rats is he goes to her house yeah I remember she comes outside like yeah and he says all right let's go to florida and she goes i can't go did you talk to julie dwyer yesterday now julie dwyer is not in this cut at all about her dying right. in the pool yeah but in that it makes so much more sense julie dwyer was going to be the, the guest she died literally that day they had to get a replacement right away. Right, right. And the whole reason why she died, it was T.S.'s fault because he said she looked fat. Yeah, so in fat. that version, it really makes sense that, that she takes over because it's T.S.'s fault. She's taking the hit from for him from the father. In this version, it makes no sense that she's doing it. She's just doing it because he said to. Right. Which is another thing where, like, God knows how much they spent on all this stuff at the beginning. Probably, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then they replaced it with a scene they probably shot in four hours. Right. <laughs> and that scene is far superior. It's tighter. It's better written. It gives better motivation to all the characters. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think this movie just just fine when it came out, but there is no need for it to be two hours. And, and oh God, God bless no. you There's... guys for going after the the long version for your minute by minute. That's impressive. Oh, we've had a, the guests that I've had up front have been like, "What is this? <laughs> I don't remember this." Now, when you did uh, Clerks, did you do like the original ending of Clerks? No, I mean, we just did Clerks, and then we we did a, our last episode that ran during the credits. We went over the original ending about gotcha, the guy coming gotcha. in and shooting Dante and all that. I mean, talk about is... a situation where notes are helpful. I mean, the idea that, that someone told him, like, dude, if we're going to distribute this widely, I think it was, you know, was it Miramax that made him change it, or was that... Yeah, it, they, that Miramax definitely made him change it. They're like, you can't keep I mean, that ending. That's a good, that's a good change. That, that movie with the original ending I don't think works at all. I forget who it was. Now can't, why can I remember the guy's name? It wasn't. It wasn't the Weinstein's. It was one of the guys that were. It was like his point man, the guy that talked okay. to him. It wasn't Jim Jacks because he was on this one. It was whoever his kind of like producer handler guy was. Was like, no, you can't do that. Oh, I wonder if it was the guy. Was it Chris Moore? Is that his name? No, damn it, I can't remember this guy's name. I'm pretty okay. sure it's not Jim Jacks. Oh god, I can't look it up now. Now, so I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, because I would describe myself as someone who like, was into Kevin Smith and then sort of, uh, like, moved on to other things. And maybe, you know, I look back at it sort of the way that I look back on my time as a Dave Matthews fan, where I still maybe appreciate the things that I liked at the time, but there's a little bit of, like, a cringe factor for it, too. Are you still someone who's up on the Kevin Smith? Are you going out and seeing Tusk and Hosers and, and all these things? I did see all that stuff. It's You almost need to take him in phases. Like, I would say his... His, like, he kind of he phased out around like Jane Silent Bob, Clerks too. That was kind of he closed the circle on like his first group of things. Yeah, I thought and after that was surprisingly good because I would say at that point I was already a little like oh, I don't know if Kevin Smith is actually any good. And I I'll, I'll tell you where, and I thought it was really good. I enjoyed Clerks too quite a bit. Where I thought he went sideways was um, when he tried to make a more of a when he tried to make other people's movies sure. legitimately. Like with oh, Cop Out, he actually tried to make somebody else's movie where somebody else wrote it and he just directed it. And then with Zack and Miri, where he wrote it, but he wrote it to be like a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, Zack and Miri was okay, but you're right. You spent that whole movie being like, this is just two degrees off from an Apatow. This is is 
budget appetite. Yeah, and he he admitted it later of like that's just he was lost at that point. Like he didn't know what to do. And then he ended up writing Red State, which I think is a pretty good movie, but it's so far from a Kevin Smith movie where if you were right. if you've been a Kevin Smith fan all along, you get to Red State, you're like, "What the hell is this?" I like it cuz it's a horror movie and I think it's good for him. I mean, I like that he's making the movies now cuz I like anybody that's just like, "Hey, I talked about something with my friend and I'm going to make a movie out of it." And you know why? Because I can. Yeah, I think um, that aspect of him, even if I'm maybe not interested in the movies themselves, I think people kind of shit on him for that. And if, I think that's awesome. I, I would love to get rich and just fart around with my buddies and make fairly high-budget movies with just a guy I've known for 30 yeah. years. That sounds amazing. I do, Who wouldn't want I, to do that? Yeah, and I think he kind of gets some of the shit he gets on him is because he's Kevin Smith, where like if another director was doing something like this, like if David Lynch was doing this, they'd be like, oh, he's a genius. David Cronenberg's well, I mean, doing it? Oh, he's a genius. He does it, and it's like, you what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Wes Anderson does do this. He's been friends with Owen Wilson, you know, for 30 or 35 years, and they just make movies to entertain themselves. They're just sort of artistically celebrated a lot more yeah. than a Kevin Smith movie. Would and be. listen, no I'll one... tell you right now, I like some Wes Anderson movies, but some of those movies are garbage. There are some un- unwatchable Wes Anderson movies floating around. I, I gotta admit, I'm a big Wes Anderson guy. I... I don't know that I'd say any of them are guard. There's ones I like more than others. I don't listen. Like there's no. Listen, I'll tell you this. There's no yoga hosers in there. Like there, <laughs> there's nothing to that level. But I'm also guessing he probably never made a movie ever on a budget like that Kevin did, where like he literally like crowdfunded it, and you know probably cost like one tenth of what the cheapest Wes Anderson movie ever cost. Have you ever seen? Uh, not to go on on too much of a Wes Anderson minute, but Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first. Movie. Oh, his his first movie. I saw it, it was yeah. years ago. I saw it. That's, you I mean, know when I saw it? I saw it back when the indie um, movie thing was going around, like when all those movies were hitting, like in the nineties. Yep, yep. I remember. I remember seeing that movie because it won the MTV Movie Award for like breakthrough artist or something. Back when <laughs> things like the MTV Movie Awards could actually introduce you to something that was new and interesting. Yeah, now it would be like the new breakthrough artist. It'd be like whatever like, the Twilight was for that year. And you're like, right. everybody yeah, knows yeah, about yeah. this. It's not a breakthrough. All right. So do you have anything else to about this minute besides that uh, she's a bad person and pretty much so is TS? <laughs> I don't. I'm going to have to go onto Amazon's like bargain DVD section and try to find this extended version of the film. Well, you, you just got to check to make sure. Now, I found it for this for this recording, I found it online somewhere in this format. Uh, even my Mulrats DVD I own doesn't have it in this format. It has all this footage, but it doesn't have it cut into the movie. Oh, that's the hard one to find. Cause that's only that's only on like one version of DVDs like that. Oh, okay. it's not even the one I own. If it was like fan made. If somebody just edited the no, I mean it's online. legit. Like they did okay. this cuts on something, but you know, with the Kevin movies, like they reissue them like every year, so. You never know what version you have. It's just like, this is the Mallrats magical 17th and a half year version. Like, okay. Right. Please stop putting these movies out. So I know which one I have. All right. So I think we're ready to wrap it up. Do you want to tell everybody where they could uh, find you on the internet? Yeah. Well, uh, if you have more nostalgia for the mid to late 90s and you were at all a wrestling fan, I host a podcast called 20 Years of Nitro, where we review episodes of WCW Monday Nitro. Uh, chronologically episode by episode we are right now in the fall of 1996 which uh, some of you might know is the time when hulk hogan went uh, turned into a bad guy and formed the nwo the new world order so that was a fun time of wrestling i think a lot of people have fond memories of that and over 20 years of nitro we talk about it episode by episode Uh, if you like you can follow me on twitter at 20 years of nitro uh, and that's really about it we've got a facebook but i don't really use it nearly as actively as i do the twitter 
All right. And if you're looking for us, we're over to DuelingGenre.com. We're also on Facebook at Jane Silent Bob Minute. And you can talk to us in the Jane Silent Bob uh, Minute Quicker Stop. That's where we talk about uh, anything that was brought up in the episodes, you know, any of the things that I said that were wrong, which is probably multiple things like usual. You know, the people will go in and just prove me wrong and all the stuff I bring up. Uh, go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever the frig it's called now and uh, give us a five-star review. I haven't checked them lately, so hopefully we have some. All right, I think that's it for us. We're going to get out of here and uh, we're going to get out of here and have some chocolate covered pretzels. Uh-huh.